Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. It is so much going on. Longhorns land a big-time five-star wide receiver yesterday, to, to the surprise of many, by the way, including our recruiting insider Jerry Hamilton was with us yesterday. Uh, we'll get the details on that coming up. Rod's got some thoughts. He's watched some film on the big-time receiver out of St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, sir. Also, a lot of reaction on the uh, text line. Appreciate all your comments on 447-3776. Your opinions and ours, always welcome. And this says a comment like Dabo May got Makovic fired in Arizona. What an idiotic thing to say. Says yeah. Cade, Cade and Dabo seem to not get along. There was a tiff in week one. When is there, exactly, when is it a good idea? This is, now I'm actually diving deeper into it. It seems a little bit more diabolical because at every level of football, every coach knows you don't throw your QB under the bus. You don't throw your players under the bus. When you do it, there's usually a motive for it. Yeah. Because you don't just lose control like that. He's savvier than that. We, we, I'm not going to pretend that Dabo is some type of imbecile, that he went up there and just, oh, good old country boy talking, and then I just forgot what I said. No, he's been he's been around this thing long enough. He's pretty deliberate in what he's saying to the media. Can we know that? Because he's put in, you know, different messaging about NIL and transfer portal, and how he doesn't like it for different reasons and made these analogies and metaphors and stuff. So he's pretty savvy. He, there's a reason he did this. Yeah, that's the, that's the reason he did I, that. When I heard it, I was shocked. Uh, and I yeah. saw it last, on Saturday, actually, Sunday morning is when I saw yeah. it. I was down in Galveston with the trip we took this weekend, family trip. But um, I was thinking, really? Yeah, Man, yeah. this guy's losing it. This mm-hmm. guy, Or, as you said, it, there's a reason. There's or, a reason. Or there's also the, the fact that the frustration – because, again, it comes on the heels of his comment last week – Kind of, you know, telling his fans to, you know, shove it. So his fans are frustrated. They look. They won two national championships. They've been top of the college football. But I think anybody who's been paying attention would tell you that he's kind of, he's not evolving with the game. What is it? Sark says all the time, evolve or die. And now Sark hasn't won a national championship. But I do like his idea of there are things in the current state of college athletics that I cannot like, but I still have to play within the game. <laughs> you still got to do it. Uh, you can't not. You can't just, you know. Co- and that's why I've compared it to, to Mac Brown for, no, for a long time it's now. A, it's a, that's a really accurate comparison, man. Well, cause, it is. Yeah, cause, cause, and, and I, it is amazing how the parallels are because Mac, I mean, to me, his failing was a couple things. Two main, when he decided after the 09 championship with, when Colt got hurt, and he had the, the he had the Longhorns at the top of college football, and he had this this. You know, Mac always believed in uh, coaching staff, and Mac never threw players under the bus. No, I uh, believed in coaching <clears throat> continuity. Uh, and then he, of course, that was the coach in waiting time, right? That might that was a mistake for to name it Will was. Muschamp coach in waiting. He turned Mac did, turned Mac into a paranoid a paranoid coach. He was never paranoid like that, and he started to be paranoid about his job. Well, he well, he was. Well, I think I think it's because he was paranoid when I first started covering him because Mac was very thin. Not about his job. No, not about he was his job. Paranoid about you guys in the message. Yeah, the message. message. Controlling the but message. But he started getting paranoid about message and job yeah. later on. Well, uh, that's that, that's a good debate because when when he when he and lost eyes, I mean, I was at the press conference when he DeLoss and Will Muschamp sat there and told everybody about the chain of command and the coach in waiting and uh, I, I, look I, I firmly believe Mac planned on winning that national championship over Alabama in 2009 into 2010 and retiring or yep. going upstairs right now and handed it, handed it to Muschamp I mean the, the wheels were moving on that we know and he, he stopped it 
you know, pulled the big engine brake on it, and uh, the program was never the same again. We know that uh, because he, you know, wanted to, now all of a sudden he wants to change the offense and go power he, offense without the personnel his, to do it. He and, called his shot on offense, which he had never done. That was how you knew that at that offseason, after they lost that game to Bama, he came out and said, we're going to be a power run game, power running team. And everybody was like, what? Almost like we're never going to be so reliant on a quarterback again, right? Because yeah. Colt went down, and we didn't have a chance at that point, even though they were and, – And it wasn't just Colt. Even go back to the Sims years. I mean, basically, Sims' meltdown in the Big 12 title game cost him an appearance in a national title game. He was just he – was, he was tired of relying – overly relying on the quarterback to be the centerpiece of his blueprint and model to win. And he was really – he admired Alabama and Nick Saban's model, which did not even need a quarterback back there. Remember, they had quarterbacks that were just completing like less than, less than 10 right. – completions and winning games, blowing people out. Well, and Mac was like, I want that. And the combination <laughs> of him taking control and saying we're going to change the offense to which, like, Greg Davis, I'm sure, is going, what? We just recruited this kid from Lake Travis named Garrett Gilbert, who's a spread. spread. He's a spread baby. Uh, He's perfect for what we're doing right now. That's why he's coming here. What are you doing? We're changing the offense. And and the coaches were then disgruntled because they thought they were – remember, in in December of 2009 into January of 2010, Greg Davis was planning to move on to Iowa. And he was going to be the offensive coordinator to Iowa because Will Muschamp was going to bring Bring in his own own coaches in. This was all happening before the national championship game. Mac stopped it. But the other thing that Mac – that is parallel to me – with Dabo Swinney is that when, when Nick Saban got to Alabama and he had been in the NFL, it was Nick Saban who began the idea that you can have a front office in college football. Support staff. You can, have, you can only have ten coaches, Rod, mm-hmm. but you can have as many support, support staff, staff as you, you can pay. Boom. There was no rule about it. So no it like, rule. Okay. <laughs> so Nick Saban started hiring essentially a general manager, scouts to do recruiting, scouts mm-hmm. to look at transfers. Uh, I mean, it was he, he built this elaborate special front office. assistance to yes. the head coach and stuff like that. And that's that. where that began. Yeah. And you know what? You know who hated it was Mac Brown. He didn't like. It. He's like, yeah. oh man, that's not that. That's not college football. That's not the way it should be. Kind of like Dabo is saying this isn't the way it should be. And then it slides, and um, yeah. you know, you start saying things where you're throwing players under the bus, specifically after a tough loss. Um, you know, I see it going in that direction for Dabo. He's a great coach. And this text here says that well, one time uh, successor for Saban at Alabama, probably no more. Yeah, no, it's a good point, though, about Max. I remember Max specifically saying to me that he doesn't like the way college football is going with the support staffs and how oh, wow. they're growing, you know, those big kind of front offices. Well, you were doing sidelines at the time, yeah. right? and Mac didn't like Well, Mac, Mac legitimately thought it's unfair to the little guy. He was like, Texas, we'll be fine. We can keep up with it. But it's unfair to the lower-level schools. It's just a separation of the half and half nots. So his heart was in the right place. But, you know, the, let's say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, Mac essentially te- kept Texas from progressing because he had that mindset of, no, no, that's unfair, and we don't want to be that program that operates that way, even though it was nothing illegal or outside the rules about it. He just didn't believe it. He thought it was unethical, Yeah, essentially. Because he's a max historian of the game, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he thought it was unethical. So. And then, but you know who did do it? It is Nick Saban. Everybody did else. It. And then <laughs> Ohio State and Urban Meyer did it. And then, uh, you know, everybody, uh, Dabo yeah. Swinney was yep. doing it and then it was Mac fell behind and of course after the after the change of offense they went five and seven the next year and Mac had to fire the whole staff and anyway had to get rid of then, everybody then, anyway then, it was like oh man you brought me back I had a job ready to go you brought me back here for this job and he's gonna fire me anyway yeah, yeah. so yeah it and, went, then, and then of course Mac was a fish out of water because he'd never have to hire a, a staff he, he he was so big on coaching continuity that and, and you know the program really never recovered from no, that because he recovered. tried to get it back and got it to eight wins and yeah. then we know Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, and now here we are with Sark. And yeah. feels like it's headed back in the right direction. There are other reasons, but uh, Dabo Swinney, surprising. Uh, maybe, you know, signaling his, his oh, decline. right about that. 
Hey, let's get to the headlines, trending topics. We go on that topic for, for a long time. Rod's got some BOC this hour. We got uh, top stories, but let's get the news. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories, and it is Texas football. Seventh-ranked Horns continuing their game week prep for Saturday's Big 12 contest with BYU. It's a 2.30 kick at DKR. Yesterday, Sark and company scored a huge win on the recruiting trail. Uh, five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo committed to Texas against a lot of insiders who believed he was going to Missouri. The 6'2", 205-pound receiver, one of the top playmakers in the country for the class of 2024. He chooses the Longhorns over Missouri and Michigan. He's the third five-star commitment among their 19 players in the class, joining Duncanville edge rusher Colin Simmons and the uh, left tackle from modern-day high school in California, Brandon Baker. In the NBA, Luka Doncic poured in 33 points, grabbed 14 rebounds, just out 10 assists as the Dallas Mavericks spoiled the NBA debut of the French phenom Victor Wenbanyama last night. Mavericks beat the Spurs in San Antonio 126-119. Wenbanyama was in foul trouble most of the night, did score nine of his 15 points in the fourth quarter, also snagged five boards, had two assists, turned the ball over five times in addition to five fouls. Also last night, Rockets got rolled in their season opener in Orlando, 116-86. NFL Week 8 will kick off tonight in Buffalo, the 4-3 and Bills. Hosting Baker Mayfield in the 3-3 three three Tampa Bay Bucks. Word yesterday from San Francisco, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy is in the league's concussion protocol. According to a report from the Athletic, Pur- Purdy began feeling concussion-like symptoms on the team's plane ride home from Minnesota on Monday night where they lost. He's, when he suffered the injury, is unclear. Head coach Kyle Shanahan says Purdy will participate in some of the walkthroughs this week, but backup Sam Darnold will get a majority of the first-team reps. 49ers host Cincinnati on Sunday, looking to snap a two-game losing streak after a 5-0 start. In Cleveland, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski confirmed yesterday that P.J. Walker will again get the start for his team this Sunday against Seattle. Deshaun Watson did not practice yesterday, will remain out while rehabbing a shoulder injury. Astros, Houston has scheduled a press conference for 11 a.m. this morning. Dusty Baker will announce his retirement. Team owner Jim Crane, general manager Dana Brown will be on hand as the 74-year-old skipper bids adieu. Finished his managerial career with 2,183 wins. Good for seventh all-time course. Managed in three World Series, won one of them with Houston last season. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Uh, big get for Texas getting Ryan Wingo uh, because a lot of Longhorn fans were surprised. They didn't think they would get Ryan Wingo. All the reports were he was leaning from Missouri, leaning away from Texas, and uh, Sark gets a, a big one. And so, so also Chris Jackson, give him props, uh, the wide receiving coach. But uh, Ryan Wingo, a uh, hell of a prospect, and now Texas gets another uh, – Sark gets himself another five-star wide receiver, uh, his second, because Jonte Cook was also a, a five-star wide receiver. I think um, this is a guy that next season, when Texas ends up this season obviously losing – X-Men, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Jay Witt's going to be gone. Uh, Ryan Wingo's a, a player who projects to be in that starting rotation of wide receivers for Sark. Keep in mind, Sark does not rotate a lot of guys at wide receiver. It's actually been a very you know uh, debated topic, highly debated topic among Longhorn fans that he should play more wide receivers. He should play Isaiah Nayor. He should try to play more Jante Cook. Uh, but even going back to Alabama, he has a tight rotation of wide receivers, guys he trusts, guys he likes, and very rarely will he he loosen will he loosen that up and and then start a more have uh, more guys in that rotation? That's still been the case here at Texas. If you are outside of that kind of circle of trust of wide receivers, you're not likely to play in Sark's offense. So uh, I think one of the things that helps Sark recruit is that Sark basically can 
can brag and he can champion, look at the production of my wide receivers in my offenses. There are only three, four guys that may be getting all those targets, but, man, look at their production. Look at their production. Look at their achievements and their accolades going back to his time, you know, even at Washington, actually, but even his time in Alabama and here at Texas. He'll play young guys. And he, he's not afraid to, to force feed the football to his young receivers. That helps him recruit other young wide receivers. That's the only way to do it because you need an example of, hey, this could be you. And every young wide receiver he's recruiting, John T. Cook and uh, Ryan Wingo, he's saying, hey, look at X-Man. That's you. DeAndre that's Moore. you. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's you, X-Men. You know, he, he broke records at Texas as a freshman. That's going to be you in my offense. And it's easy to recruit that way because you got the proof. You got the evidence that, yes, I only like a, a, lot, I only like a few wide receivers. And the ones I like, I force feed the football to them. Hey, young man, you're one of the ones I like, by the way. And I got quarterbacks and we got big yes. humans up front. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and the, the, the story we were told by your friend Jerry Hamilton over at Inside Texas is that between receivers coaches, when Brennan Marion left – and they hired Chris Jackson. It was Sark who personally took on the recruitment of Ryan Wingo. That's important. Uh, and, you know, when the kid from Lake Belton, Micah Hudson, you know, that, that maybe, you know, of course, he's going to Texas Tech, and Micah Hudson's a legacy to Texas Tech. His dad played there. Also had a great relationship with Joey McGuire from his days back at, at Baylor. But that Sark favored Wingo over Hudson. And Sark, per, like, personally made him the number one priority on their board. So to get him yesterday was big. And I think you're right. I mean, um, you know, he probably filled the A.D. Mitchell role, big picture in Sark's mind. Jonte mm-hmm. Cook is kind of your X-man. They got yeah. DeAndre Moore also out of California as well. Sark's going coast to coast to find the best players, and they're winning these battles. Three five-stars, and if you're, if you're comparing this to the National Football League, these are the elite positions, right? I mean, if you're building an NFL team, what are you looking at? Quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, playmaker, wide receiver, corner, and Sark in this class alone has three five-stars. One's a pass rusher one's a left tackle now you have a wide receiver and they're still in on the kid Kobe Black out of Waco who's a five-star cornerback good player and we know that the quarterback room is loaded with two five stars and a high four star already at the quarterback position so you know that's how you build a roster and Sark's doing a good job so I, I, I agree with you and you know what you get in the, get out of Sark's rotation ask Isaiah Nair how man. bad it is to climb back into the rotation right? at that position. It's tough, man. Is there, is there a witness protection program for Isaiah Nair? We still don't really know what's going on. Not even the inside. like, what's going on with Isaiah Nair? We have no idea. Um, and, I mean, think about it. even John Tay Cook, right? He, we know Sark likes John Tay Cook. And I think Sark is smart enough to understand, you know, at times being outside of that circle of wide receivers, that circle of trust, it can be frustrating for wide receivers. I mean, like Isaiah Nair. Uh, that's why after the Oklahoma game, he went out of his way, remember, to mention John Tay Cook and say, I they got to find ways to get Jante Cook in the game. He was talking to Jante Cook, also to the media, but he was also talking to those young wide receivers he's going to be recruiting. That, hey, I, st- I keep my young wide receivers in mind. I'm trying to get those guys in the game, and I want them to play early because these young wide receivers, they want to play early. And as you mentioned, it makes it easier to recruit young, great wide receivers when you have quarterbacks especially celebrity quarterbacks, when you got a Manning in the quarterback room, right? Uh, when you got big-time, highly-rated, highly-recruited uh, quarterbacks in that quarterback room, and that's where Sark starts uh, with his offenses, and he's got that reputation too. So I think it, it, it's going to keep this pipeline of getting great wide receiver talent will continue for Sark because – 
he he's really detailed oriented about coaching wide receivers from what i hear he goes out of his way to coach uh the wide receivers a lot too like he's really hands-on with that group because he wants his routes run a certain way and he's like i said really detailed oriented about that passing game and the precision of it so he he not only is going to, you said he's helping recruit some of these guys, but I think also when they get here on campus, Sark is hands-on with a lot of those wide receivers, of course with the quarterbacks, but that passing game kind of works with uh, synchronicity for Sark. Hey, uh, now you watch film on Ryan Wingo for our audience. Uh, what would you see when you see the 6-2? I mean, think about that, 6-2, yeah. uh, 200-pound receiver, but explosive. Yeah, and shout out to my man Jerry Hamilton. I've been working with him uh, doing talking ball over at On Texas Football, and uh, he always gives me some great nuggets. You know, Jerry Hamilton, he's always he's getting eyes on these the guys. Guru. Um, and uh, yeah, and so because of him, I started watching film. And um, man, he's he, he's got great balance and body control. First of all, he's just a raw elite athlete playing wide receiver. He play he punts the football. He's a punt returner. Plays both sides of the ball. Plays corner for him too and plays wide receiver. So first of all, he's an explosive athlete just playing the position. Shout out to my man Justin Wells because on the live stream um, he revealed that now he's got a wide receiver coach. Like an individual wide receiver coach. At first he was just an explosive athlete playing wide receiver. Now he's diving into the subtle nuances of being a more polished wide receiver, route running, right? The the art of route running, you know, the ability. He's talking about the uh, uh, the, the, the 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 triangle, right? Where you're trying to catch the football. All those different little details about the wide receiver position. He's just learning those. So think about his upside once he starts to actually focus on the wide receiver position at a high level. Got tremendous upside. Contested catches, one of his X-Man abilities. Man, when the ball is underthrown, he can moss people. I mean, he has a bit. He's got. I don't know what his vertical is, but it translates whatever it is to the field. He goes up and he fights for the football. He believes that the football is his, so he's great at making contested catches. Uh, once the ball is in his hands, that's actually where he gets most dangerous. When the ball is in his hands, he can make somebody miss in a phone booth. He's really explosive. That's why he's a punt returner. Really explosive with the ball in his hands. So I, it's hard to bring down, too. Uh, really twitchy. And I love that about his game. And one thing also that you uh, recognize watching him, acceleration out of his brakes. I mean, he hits another speed out of his brakes, his acceleration. I want to go watch more film and see and watch his deceleration, which is just as important for a wide receiver, getting in and out of brakes. But, man, his acceleration is next level. So he's pretty much got no weakness in his skill wow. set. But he will – I think he'll, he'll, he'll be a more polished wide receiver going forward because I don't necessarily think that was his focus. He just knows that's what he's projected at the next level. But now I think you'll start to see him, even this season, when his senior film comes out, you'll start to see a more polished version of him because now he's actually learning some of the details about the position. All right, Texas loading up uh, on the offensive side and defensive side, headed into the SEC next year. Obviously this year the focus in 2023, but Colin Simmons, five-star out of Duncanville. They got a five-star tackle from California. Ryan Wingo's from St. Louis, Missouri, and St. Louis University High. And their highest-rated next player is a running back, Jarrett Gibson, from the IMG Academy in Florida. Yeah. So going coast-to-coast. Coast. Yeah, and they want, they want a corner, and I think they want a safety. Uh, potentially, in, in, but uh, I believe Kobe Black is the, the corner at the top of their board. That's what they want. He's legit. He's the real deal. 19 commitments now, Ron, to probably yeah. get to. Cause that's He's the real deal. Probably, probably 22-ish kind of yeah. commitments is what they're looking at. Yeah. And they're going to be they're gonna be choosy because they're looking for certain positions right now, as you said, corner, safety, uh, now that they've shorn up uh, 
the the receiver spot there. Yeah, I think the safety they're looking at is Phil Phil Saint, Phil Sami. Yeah, Phil Sami from Phil Sammy, uh, McKinney. Xavier, yeah, uh, who Jerry Jerry told us about yesterday. Said he's big time, big time. But he's currently a Florida commitment. Who hey. Jerry told us Phil Phil Sami his. Um, Father lives in Florida, or mom lives in Orlando. His dad lives in Texas, so he's going to school in Texas, but he's kind of split between the Gators yeah. and the Longhorns. All right, we'll come back. Good stuff from Rod right there. Rod will also take us behind the burn orange curtain doing the deep dive, watching BYU film. What does BYU bring to the table? We'll know that more coming up. Also, your thoughts on the Dabo Swinney situation. Also, Jim Harbaugh, I have a piece of advice for the Big Ten, uh, what they should do immediately, not like tomorrow, but today. Today. Uh, I'll tell you that. Come back. Hook them up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, quick alert. Uh, Don Miller, have your traffic. You mentioned that if you're out in it, you know that uh, it's rainy and stormy. There's a tornado warning right now for folks uh, kind of along the 21 corridor down through Elroy between uh, kind of Austin and Bastrop moving to the northeast, and that's the, uh, the where these storms are coming from. They're moving from the south west out of Mexico, up through the central Texas area into the northeast. So be advised of that, kind of crossing the, the storm I'm watching right now, crossing uh, 183 just north of Lock, headed towards McDade and Bastrop. So be advised of that. Tornado warning this morning uh, and just storms out there. If you're driving up and down I-35, if you're south of Austin, you're probably clear right now. But uh, more coming. It's going to be a wet Thursday. We need the rain, Rod, but it does seem to be happening in drive time all the time. Uh, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to complain. We need it. We do uh, need it. It's been it. raining, I think, every morning. It this does. Week, I mean, it feels like. Muggy as heck, but we yeah. need the rain without a doubt it, after the summer we just had. Yep. Uh, all right, so a lot going on. Talking about Ryan Wingo, the uh, five-star receiver. Rod will have more on the Longhorns matchup with the BYU Cougars coming up 5-2, and two, but maybe that record – I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to under, undersell the the, uh, the BYU team. I just don't know mm-hmm. how talented they are overall. They are older, right? you got all the, uh, mm-hmm. the players. The missionaries and stuff The missionaries, like that. Yeah. but uh, not super explosive, as you found. But they are no. opportunistic on the defensive side of the ball. We'll hit some off the record before the top of the hour. Always fun. Some stories that uh, probably you've missed that you need to know. Because oh, we're going to be talking about it. Uh, but, Rod, the big story in college football right now, uh, outside of Austin, is the Michigan scandal. Mm-hmm. The brewing Michigan scandal, which – now, the one thing we've said since Monday is, man, this story's moving fast. Kind of like these storms I'm watching on the radar right here. Yeah, I mean, I agree there's with that. just more and more information by the day. Every that's day. damning. Yeah, for the Michigan. Washington Post is the latest. They it's, got it's, you know, like we, we started with Monday where people saying, you know, you know, no big deal, sign stealing, it goes on. Now it's to the point where there's some bookmakers out in Cal- in Vegas who are considering taking Michigan lines off the board because they, they it's. They're getting killed on by Michigan, by the way, on the lines because they think they're setting an even line. Mm-hmm. And what did you tell us yesterday? Michigan is twenty-three and eleven against the line in their last yeah, in the last like couple of years. Twenty-three, eleven, and two. I'll find the number. Yeah, it's, it's up, so it's up literally, like number. big sports books in Vegas yeah. are considering not you know not having a line on Michigan games. Uh, so it's to that point. So when Vegas starts blinking and paying attention, watch it. And this is why I've suggested, and I did yesterday. I'm looking for. Because what you don't want if you're Michigan or the Big Ten is for Michigan to run through this season, win the national championship, which they very well could do, and then have this whole thing tainted by this scandal, which is coming out by the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't prevent all the stain and whatever's going to be there as the investigation continues, because now there's thoughts that the Big Ten may investigate, do their own investigation under their sportsmanship clause of the, of the Big they Ten should. Conference. They of should. Of course they should. <laughs> but the other thing the Big Ten should do immediately, in my opinion, is – enact wireless I mean, communication sidelines to quarterback and sidelines to middle linebacker just like the NFL immediately for the rest of the season. 
And I know that would be outside of the rules of the NCAA, but screw the NCAA. The mm-hmm. Big Ten needs to look out for the Big Ten. And, you know, what's the NCAA going to do? You know, the, the, the Big Ten conference controls its conference. There are no more non-conference mm-hmm. games. So for every conference game remaining, we're going wireless. Uh, we're going to eliminate this conversation of what advantage Michigan's gaining from this. We'll investigate what has happened, but moving forward, we're going wireless. Uh, we're going to institute that, and it's going to do two things. It's going to allow Michigan to play without the benefit of the sign stealing and whatever's been going on for two years, right? And either they're going to flourish under that, and as I said yesterday, and I believe Michigan should be the number one endorser of this. To Jim Harbaugh should want to show that his team is not benefiting from whatever's gone on here. Yeah. And then it also so it insulates them, and then guess what? It might expose them too, Rod. Which also would help the conference because you're about integrity. You need the integrity in your brand credibility. Right. And so, need, yeah. And so I, I'm, either way, you get out in front of it. And yes. That's what you need to do. That you can't wait because it, the I narrative mean, is forming now. Oh, man. It's too far, <laughs> too far gone. Yeah. So every game, think about the, the Ohio State Michigan game coming up in a month. I mean, it's like you got to get ahead of that. Ooh, I, yeah. That's, I mean, how many cameras are they going to have on the sign guy oh, for that man. game? And every Big Ten Everybody. game. Everybody. Yeah. Sidelines side going to be like Taylor Swift is on the sideline. Yes. Just constant shots. <laughs> Of the sidelines, and where's Colin, whatever, Connor, whatever his Connor name Stallions. is. Stallions. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, like, man. I mean, I just, yeah. and look, I, I don't think the NCAA could stop them. It's a conference rule. Uh, you know, with the, obviously the presidents of the schools would have to agree to this, uh, but the commissioner should get ahead of it. Uh, Tony Petiti is his name. Oh, he's and, new too, isn't he? And, yes, and just yeah. say, look, guys, um, you know, Michigan, like, Michigan might be the best team in the country. With the Brock Bowers injury at Georgia, I don't know there's a more complete team. J.J. McCarthy's having a great year. And you don't want that stained. And, and it's already stained. Uh, it is. But, but if they play the rest of the year with the wireless and you, you eliminate the idea of the sign stealing is helping them, it's either going to, you know, insulate them and show that men, they're a really good team and this doesn't much matter. Or it could expose them. If they come back to the pack a little bit and all of a sudden they're not as dominant, you know, that's going to be a problem. And the other schools and the and, coaches can say, see, we told you. And they have been dominant. I gave you that stat earlier this, this week that their starting defense has scored more touchdowns than they've allowed through the first eight games. And they haven't faced a first and goal or any snap inside the 10-yard line this year. And J.J. McCarthy only has four dropbacks in the fourth quarter. So they haven't faced anybody, like you said. They haven't had any, you know, marquee games. But, but man, the game's <laughs> just bludgeoning Remember, P- remember P.J. Fleck, the coach of Minnesota, that's the best team he's seen in 11 years of coaching college football, the deepest team. Let's go look at all the teams he's seen. He's seen some damn good Big Ten teams. It's the most well-coached team, deepest team. And that, that's the thing. But you, you want to protect that. And we learned during COVID, Rod, the, the conferences can do what they want. Mm-hmm, the conferences yeah. control what yes. they want to do. Yep. Uh, now, the, the NCAA can object, but they really don't have much power to, to act. Have a rule like that. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they hire their own officials. They keep all the TV money. That doesn't go to the NCAA. The conferences run themselves. Big Ten needs to step in right now. A, start an investigation of their own, uh, you know, outside of the NCAA investigation. Do it under their sportsmanship clause and then say, you guys, rest of the way, we're going wireless. We're going to communicate. Based on our investigation. <laughs> we're going to Based go to on wireless. what's already out there, we need to protect our, our conference. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's a And our potential idea. conference champion. I think it's a money idea. Actually, I don't. And then they would, they they'd become the pioneers because I think other power conferences would follow suit. Well, you had Matt I Rule think, saying it. Yeah. Uh, Ty, before we get to the BOC, can we play the Matt Rule cut from? We don't play the whole thing that we played yesterday. This is Matt Rule. He's in the Big Ten. He coaches at Nebraska. Uh, and here's what he said about, uh, you know, yes, this is sign stealing. And it goes on. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Like I, I'm with you. I think, I think that we, I think once the Big Ten does it, you'll get. 
SEC to do it too because they don't want the Big Ten to be ahead of them in anything. And then you'll get the rest of the power conferences to go to. Go yeah, as well. well, here's what Matt Rule said. Because every coach, Steve Sarkeesian, every coach has been asked about this mm-hmm. this week. And here's what Matt Rule had to say, who, of course, was just in the NFL for a few years with the Carolina Panthers. Sign stealing happens every game. Um, there's nothing wrong with There's nothing wrong with teams over there looking over trying to steal our signs. There's nothing wrong with us trying to look at their signs. That's why you should have mics in the helmets, right? Like all these coaches that vote against it every year is because they don't want to teach their quarterback. You know, in the NFL, each quarterback goes out there with three play calls <laughs> because if I see if I see the free safety's foot like that, it might be one high. I'm going to check to this play. And if I, but you get to college and you're watching a game on a Tuesday night, and you know they, they got the signal and they're just calling a play. So uh, that's what makes college football to me. That's why they score maybe more points. That's also why the kids are less prepared. So that's why they should, there should be, 100% should be, we could get rid of all the stupid signs on the sidelines and we could get pictures of, you know, rock stars and all that stuff. And we could just play football the way it was meant to be. You go to a high school game, there's technology on the sideline. You go to an NFL game, there's technology on the sideline. You go to the college, there's nothing. There's Matt Rule right there. And again, the, what he's he just right. said is why they won't do it is because the quarterbacks aren't trained to do it right now and it's right in the middle of the season. But at the same time, you might just say, screw it, guys. These are big boys. They can handle it. I mean. It's just a play call. They have to have the vocal equivalent to that when they talk about it I know. In, in the meetings. There's no way in the meetings they got a picture of Beyonce up here like, all right, this is the Beyonce play. And it's like, no. That, I'm sure just they say have, Beyonce. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm sure that they have, like, the actual equivalent to that in the play call. The, out there, they're just using all of those signs. And a lot of those signs are misinformation. They have people out there that are actually giving signals for the place, but because they know sign stealing is so rampant, they actually have guys out there who are giving misinformation too, just like baseball. Well, to try and, to you know try to and, discom- discombobulate and misinform the opponents. Well, I know we got to get to BOC, but I'll say again for folks who are because he just said it. Sign stealing happens every game. You're always looking. You're trying to yeah. gain it, just like in baseball. You're trying to pit steal a sign. This case is electronic, recorded, Advanced. operation. Yeah, it's a systemic. It's kind of a syst- systematic operation. So very it sophisticated. To, just like the trash can thing, taking yeah. it to a whole different level, yeah. recording the signs while in the stadium of, a, of future opponents. Yeah, and then that guy Connor Stallions being on the sidelines helping to relay what he's found in game and against the, that opponent. And the Washington Post is reporting that um, there's an outside firm um, presented the NCAA with more evidence. Um, told the NCAA cell phone videos depicting the coaching staffs from these games were uploaded to a computer drive um, maintained and accessed by Stallions as well as several other Michigan assistants and coaches. The firm also said it obtained uh, evidence from the computer drives. Uh, They were maintained and accessed by multiple Michigan coaches, according to two people familiar with the matter, evidence that suggests the scandal's impact could broaden beyond the suspension of just one low-level assistant. Uh, and it said among the pieces of evidence that have been presented now to the NCAA by this outside firm, it's from the Washington Post again, these people said uh, was a detailed schedule of Michigan's planned sign-stealing travel for the rest of this season, listing opponents' schedules, which games Michigan scouts would attend, and how much money was budgeted for travel and tickets to scout each team which, again, is against the rules of the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. And, again, you're protecting Michigan, but you're also protecting the coaches. If you shut it down and went wireless or communication helmet to, to sidelines, anything that they've gained, all this you know, information they have is now useless. That's throw it out. It's now yep. useless yep. Uh, for the rest of the season. Now, it doesn't help teams that have already played Michigan this year. Whether it matters or not, that's what the investigation will uncover. All right, Rod, real quick. Sorry to go so long. No, Let's go good. behind the burn orange curtain before we get to off the record at the top of the hour. And they were all asking themselves the same questions. 
What is behind that curtain? All right. Um, obviously, uh, we, a lot of talk about Texas's offense, how it's going to look with uh, Malik Murphy at the helm um, as the starting quarterback with Quinn Ewers dealing with the injury. And we've talked a lot about that, and we'll continue to talk a lot about that. But one thing I, I watched last night or noticed while watching film on BYU last night, a lot of the same issues that Texas struggled with versus U of H and versus Oklahoma, uh, BYU love. Sark said that, so I wanted to go make sure on film it was confirmed, and he was right. Um, he said that they love crossing routes, and they do. They love crossing routes, and Texas was really susceptible to the crossing routes and the drag routes versus U of H. Uh, drag routes and crossing routes uh, were completed over 71% of the time versus U of H, uh, over 100 yards. Uh, passing just on drag routes and crossing routes alone uh, in that game versus U of H allowed by the Texas defense. That's something they got to fix. Um, also, I noticed the empty formation is something else that BYU loves on film, and that's something else <clears throat> that Texas had issues with defending empty formation uh, versus U of H. U of H ran a lot of empty formation, and it, it ended up confusing Texas sometimes because it created a lot of space, and Texas wasn't good at defending that space. Ended up with some, some receivers running wide open. That that long 50-something uh, uh, yard run, I believe, 51-yard, I think, pass completion in that U of H game, that was out of empty because Texas just got mixed up on one of the crossing routes, passing off receivers in coverage. They like empty. Uh, U of H uh, ran, I think, 13 plays out of empty, averaged over eight yards per attempt, damn near nine yards per attempt in empty formation. You can expect BYU, they already run a lot of it, to run even more after watching that film uh, versus U of H. Uh, they also love targets to bunch. Something else I've been talking about for a long time, Texas struggles with closely groups of receivers who are running starburst releases. They get free releases that way. Texas can play it with levels, or they can play tango inside out, or they can play point man. Either way, Texas plays it poorly. They don't communicate or coordinate very well when defending those concepts. Uh, starting quarterbacks versus Texas, or they only played four of them, uh, the starting quarterbacks Texas has faced when targeting bunch, completing nearly 80% uh, of their passes, actually, over 16 yards per attempt. We're talking about highly explosive plays too, above uh, upwards of 40% explosive play rate. Texas got to figure that out or they're going to see a ton of it. With Keaton Slovis, who's a veteran quarterback, he has regressed every year as a starter. He's been to three different uh, football programs and started at three different programs, but he's regressed every year as a starter. But some of these concepts have been so successful against the Texas defense that even a Keaton Slovis, a competent starting quarterback, can execute them. So that's something to watch, too. They love bunch formation and targets to bunch. They also like exotics. I've noticed flea flickers, double passes, uh, stalk block and go, fake screens. They run a lot of flea flickers. They're going to do that against Texas to make their speed and aggression work against them. That's also why they love the screen game. So keep that in mind. They're big fans of the screen game. So that's kind of just the Cliff Notes uh, version of the scouting report on BYU and how it can really uh, attack Texas uh, offensively versus that Texas defense would struggle a little bit versus U of H. Love it. Love it right there. Yeah, Ke Keaton Slovis has been bounced around. He's oh, kind of JT Daniels like yes, in his very bounce. much so. Uh, but he's not very good. Uh, or hasn't been good. He's Pitt, yeah. USC, yeah. 
Now he's at BYU. Uh, but, yeah, this is a hard-nosed team that's going to be opportunistic, and we'll learn more about them coming up. Rod's got a rant in the next hour. We'll hit off the record coming next. Some stories that uh, maybe you've missed that have missed your radar, but we need to give you because you're going to be talking about them. Talk about with Ian Rodby. D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get it. Bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, off the record today, a couple of videos have caught my attention. Rod, what's uh, what are you uh, riffing on today with your off the record? What's got your attention? Uh, I got a couple of uh, little random stories here, and you know, one of them is about fines in the NFL. Found his little number. The NFL through the first seven games of the season, how many millions of dollars do you think the NFL has? accrued in fines, collected in fines. Different players? Yeah, through the first seven games, NFL fines. Uh, $12 million. The NFL has dished out $13 million in Ooh. fines. <laughs> 13 that's pretty close. That's crazy. That is a lot of money in seven games. And they said most players. of them are just uh, touchdown celebrations. Oh, and uniform violations, that kind of stuff? It's kind of what, yeah, uniform violations, touchdown celebrations, stuff like that. It's crazy. NFL makes a lot of money off fines, man. Crazy. That's wild. All right, a couple of videos that have caught my attention. I will retweet them because that's where you do things, right? Is it X now or is it Twitter, Rod? X it's, now it's, it's center. It, it, it's X. X? It's, it's okay. X. But I'm going to repost these X, I still X's. say Twitter. I think they're still called posts. But uh, one of them came from Barstool Sports where, uh, you know, Sam Houston State played last night, played mm-hmm. UTEP, 50 nights of football. Oh, yeah. Uh, and some people dressed up in Halloween costumes, and one person who was escorted out of the building dressed I up as a giant penis. I saw that. Why did they escort him out? Isn't this America? Damn it. I don't understand. Bill seriously, why did they escort him out? Just because he was considered vulgar? Balls and all, Rod. <laughs> I know. I mean, so that was considered to Wrestling me for one. I'm not allowed to stand up for myself. I thought this was America. Exactly. I, I mean, thought this was America. I'll retweet that for you. Re-X that. I guess you can't be. Is it? Is it a rule? Is it? I guess it's a rule. You can't be a something that vulgar in the stadium. I like guess dressed in something vulgar like that. They're zero and seven. The t-shirts uh, also like if you wear something that is considered offensive, like with an offensive saying on it. Also, same thing. I guess you get you get escorted out. I don't know. I also, it's pretty um, wild. I got a video here that I'll read Rex that's a, a whale tossing a seal over 70 feet in the air. Oh, that's sad. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like a catapult, a killer whale tossing a seal 70 feet in the air. But how about this? Speaking of offensive, I I can I play that. this for you? Matthew McConaughey, the Longhorns own minister of culture, yep. part owner of your Austin FC. That's right. He and his wife, Camilla, have a new tequila that is out. Can I play you this 30-second commercial for their new tequila? Everybody's got tequila. Yeah, listen to that. Everybody's going tequila. I know it. Listen to this. Here's MOC and his wife, Camilla. But I'll tell you what the, uh, the plot twist on this 30-second uh, ad is. When did tequila stop being tequila? Right? Raised a fine. Pantalones okay, so, uh, organico. 
So there is the ad. Now, what you can't see is those two are strapped or are riding motorcycles. Okay. Separately? or Separate motorcycles. Okay. Two different bikes. Okay. With no pants on. And the tequila is called Pantalones wow. Tequila. No pants, huh? No pants. Well. Wifey and uh, Matthew, no pants. It's called, uh, what, what is this, Pantalones and I know Aquila. this is a weird question to ask. What kind of underwear is, is Matthew wearing? None. No pants? None. Hold on. We call him a commando? They're bare ass. Oh, really? We're talking motorcycle. about butt naked butt on the bicycle? Naked, oh, yeah. well, that's different than no pants. No pants? Matthew I assume ca- there's some drawers on with no. the no pants. <laughs> you saying, saying butt naked, but below. Pantalones, organic wow. tequila is what okay. it is. Well, then there you go. That'll, that'll make the They're just wearing like button-down shirts, their aviator sunglasses, and nothing else. That'll go viral. I'm sure there's no people pain. out there that want to see. Now, the video I saw that I sent to Ty is blurred, so you can't actually see anything. Oh, I'm sure it's all, we, all blurred. But, but you know. and of course, it's Camilla that says, where's the fun? Where's the fun? And blurring it? Yeah. <laughs> Let everybody see what's going on? I'm sure there's a, a non-edited version that you can find if oh, you do some man. searching for Matthew McConaughey and Camilla. Wow. Of Austin, Texas. That would be, yeah, there, there you go. That's how you can really get people talking. Be like, hey, man, that's an unedited version, but you got to go here to see it. Oh, you got to buy the tequila. Go to the website. You got to buy the tequila, and then we'll put a code on it for you. And then you can but see I have a bone to pick. Version. Oh, I shouldn't say that with Matthew. A bone oh, to pick. But here's my issue. Wow. If you see the video, Matthew is in the front side, and the wife's on the other side. So it's kind of, it's, it's a, the video is shot from the, the side yeah. as they're riding. And so she's Matthew, further away? She's further away. Oh, no. Come on. Come on, Matthew. Well, I guess, you know, people, they want to see him. He is considered kind of a, you know, a hunk, kind of a little sex symbol. Before he became, before he got t- he got into the McConaughey's, when he was just kind of a rom-com guy, he was considered a sex symbol. Now he's he's, he's past that. He's more than sex symbol now. Yeah, he's more than just that now. In addition to being that. Uh, not, not taking that away from the, the, the minister of culture. Uh, one other quick nugget here. I saw J.J. Watt on with the Pat McAfee show. Uh, he he, made, he he introduced an interesting uh, topic in regards to the love your blue uniforms the Tennessee Titans Ooh, are going to wear uh, when they play the Texans. He said the right to wear the uniforms should be on the line when they play. That should be the right to wear the uniforms. Agreed. Yeah. If you lose, you don't get to wear them. The, the, other, the team that wins, they get to wear them if they want to. Thank you, JJ. Bye I like you. that idea. That's a nice, that's a nice little petty bet. That's between the two rivals. Guess what? C.J. Stroud, you can win that back. They're starting Will, Bro, Le- they're starting you, Will Levis in Tennessee this week. D'Amico Ryan, you win, y'all win that back? Hey, It'll man. It'll be my hero. For real. C.J. Stroud will be my hero. <laughs> yeah. He's already in the Hall and of Fame. You know, if they lose the game, you can be mad, but you don't have the uniforms anyhow. But if you win them back. Ooh. Oh, come on. Oh, that would you don't be watch that game. Or just the if you win, they can't win. Either way, oh, I'll man. take that. I'm all in on yeah. that. Way to go, J.J. Watt. Uh, great idea. We come back two hours to go on a Thursday edition of Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. We've got a rant coming up. So a very special guest will join us. We'll play some Who Said That. Who's We're that rolling. It took him up.